0: Hi, I'm Linise Brothers, a registered nutritionist, women's health, hormone, and menstrual cycle coach, and the founder of Eat, Love, Move, a nutrition and well-being practice. This is the Period Story Podcast, where in each episode, I sit down with a guest to talk about their period story. We get behind some of the myths and misconceptions about periods and so much more. Now, on to today's guest. On today's episode, we have Mika Simmons. Mika is an award-winning filmmaker, actress, founder of the Lady Garden Foundation, and the Happy Vagina. Mika has worked on a diverse range of creative projects for stage and screen. Mika's latest project, the Happy Vagina, is a podcast showcasing a huge variety of heartfelt, honest, uplifting, fun, and personal experiences. In a world where the word vagina can feel taboo or make some feel uncomfortable, The Happy Vagina podcast opens up dialogue about fundamental issues, experimentation, and a lack of education around women's experiences and gynecological health, aiming not only to educate but also entertain and enlighten listeners in a supportive and empowering way. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much. It's so good to be here. Good morning.
0: Start off by getting into the story of your very first period. Can you remember what happened? Can you share with us what happened?
1: I mean, Lelise, let's just drive straight in the deep end. (laughs) (laughs) I was watching I May Destroy You last night. I don't know if you've been watching it, but there's an episode where um, she has sex with a a, a new man and she's on her period. It's extraordinary. If you haven't watched it yet, you've got to watch it. Everyone who's listening. Um, I... I mean, I started my periods really young Um, when we were away camping. I had an extraordinary mother who was part of the feminist movement in the 70s. And so and it was a really turbulent time in a way for women. I think the women were still trying to find out what being a feminist was. And um, my mother was definitely on the front line, kind of pushing things forwards and writing. Um, She's, you know, she's written in books and, and, and written essays. So in a way her her kind of attitude outlook and 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 kind of power towards life was a reaction to her upbringing and her upbringing we're Irish Catholic uh working class and um immigrants to this country and as immigrants um my grandmother I felt emotional my grandmother was a really hard-working woman and an amazing woman you know, just worked. I don't think that my grandmother and also the Catholic church doesn't encourage at that time, did not encourage, you know, kind of biological or sexual talk with women. Um, I think many of the reasons that periods and um, sex is, is so damaged and shrouded for women and men is because of religion. So my mother was, you know, kind of fighting against what she'd experienced and, um, so for me, when I got my period, it was like the biggest celebration in the whole world. You know, like there was no hiding it. And uh, and she threw this party for me. Uh, we were camping in the South of France. And um, and I and what I remember, I remember being quite confused. I don't remember. I think I was, I think it caught us all a bit off guard because I was so young. So I think that like I went, to the shower and it started and I hadn't already had a chat with my mom like there'd been no like you're going to get your menstrual cycle at some stage and this is what it's for and this is how you should love it and it's the, the most amazing thing in the world where life comes from it was just like oh I'm bleeding anyway I went I went off and I came back and she'd kind of bought a vionetta ice cream and um and and bought some champagne not for me I was underage um but she <laughs> She told everyone in the tents around us because she was just so unbelievably excited about the whole thing. Um, it was mortifying, if I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> I did not consent to the party, and I do. Think, I mean, I I love her for it, and as you all know, um, I lost my mother to ovarian cancer. So, um, you know, I, I I don't have any resentment towards her for her choice. Um, I do also think it's really important to talk to you know our young women and daughters about what it is that they want because I think that period of, p- of feminism was very uh, bullish rightly bullish it needed to be bullish when when change needs to happen when when people have been oppressed for a long time sometimes you have to be bullish to move things through mm. and then you have to come back into um being part of and negotiating in a, a gent- gentle way which I think feminism now is s- so much more everyone's a feminist you know mm. it's like Obama yeah. on the stage saying this is what a feminist looks like yeah so yeah so that's was, that's was what happened and um it was tough because I was young and I got teased loads I, I was using sanitary towels um the boys at school sold me in my bag I got really teased for it I lied and said I don't know, I, they just said, have you got your period? And I said, no, I mean, like, of course I have. I've got sandwich towels in my bag. It was just, you know, it was
0: painful. It was painful and confusing. What did you say to the boys when they used to? I didn't stick up for
1: myself, So I was thinking about this, this morning, preparing to come on here. Um, it's very poignant for me this stuff around teasing and bullying at the moment. Um, It's something that I'm working on a huge amount in my personal development and my life, because there seems to have been a pattern for me where I don't really stick up for myself or I don't stick up for myself in the right way. So when the boys teased me, I didn't say anything and I, and I, and I, and I I internalized it. Actually, I internalized the shame. Um, I felt other, I felt wrong and I and I and actually it was during a period of time I had a a bit of a bad start in school where I was in a in a local primary school feeding through to a local secondary school and some of the girls at the at the the bigger school were waiting outside my primary school um when I finished to 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 threaten me um and I didn't tell anyone about that either And I went to my secondary school kind of therefore on the back foot. I went to my big school really frightened. I don't know why I didn't tell anyone. I think the thing is about bullying is mostly you think it's your fault. Mm. That's really one of the biggest strands through bullying is that people somehow, it's so confusing when people bully you for no reason that you just basically can't. It's a weird sort of paranoia where your brain can't compute uh, why this is happening. So therefore it kind of must be something you've done. So I didn't stick up for myself with the boys. And if I'm honest, what I did, this was the thing I was thinking about this morning, um, is I got tough. So in order to protect myself, I kind of joined. I think when you're bullied, there's there's, there's three options. One is that you fight them. The other is that you completely come away. And take another river. Mm. And the other is, you know, that you that you that you join them. And to a certain extent, I joined that kind of crowd of kids that weren't that kind. So my first couple of years at school, it was only it was only the first couple of years, but the first couple of the years, I would suggest I was kind of quite naughty. And um and that that's how I dealt with being teased, was I surrounded myself with people who could stick up for me so.
0: and so you you became uh, part of this gang that was not very kind and would bully others but then that did that stop the bullying towards you
1: yeah yeah it did but then I self-harmed within that group mm. it's really interesting because I think that within people that particularly children are so cruel you know children are so cruel and um I think if you end up I mean, actually at around 14, 15, I really right-sized it all and started to work really hard at school. And there were some interventions that happened that brought me back to, I would say, my real self. But during that period when I was like hanging out with the naughty set, um, I was over-sexualized, um, I was objectified by the boys that we were hanging out with. The boys at school were very aggressive. Obviously, I'd started my period, so actually there was quite a lot of sexual energy around me. I was blessed with some quite good looks, so I got a lot of male attention, and, um, and 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 hanging out in that. I think, you know, children who bully or are naughty or are kind of the wayward gang are often in a lot of pain. Mm. They haven't landed there because they go, I know what, I'm going to like bunk off school and not go to gym class and smoke behind the shops. They're in pain. And when we're in pain physically, our cells that are in pain orient towards other people that are in pain so that we can feel safe. It's not safe, but it feels safe and it feels like what we know. And um, so yeah, it did stop the bullying, but I just self-harmed. I drank way too young I was drinking you know and I and I was and I was and I was I was you know over sexualized so I had my periods and I was I my 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 woman had started age 13 I started you know I I started behaving like a grown-up and I was a child
0: what would you say your relationship with your body was back then
1: really confused I think confused is the most you know poignant word I I think the whole time was very confusing for me my body was being objectified by a lot of men older and my age and therefore and 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 I didn't understand it I didn't understand you know I, I I hope for every young woman that she has the experience where she gets to know her body in a gentle timely manner and you know we've been talking about this a lot on my podcast Happy Vagina about how uh, self-pleasure um, that in order to really have a great sexual relationship with someone, you have to really learn your own body first. That was not my experience, you know. My experience was it, it was it was a slam dunk. I was I was I was like a horse up and running before I had had any conversations, you know. Um, anyway, it sounds like a sob story, but I don't feel like that about it. I feel, I feel that all of that made me the woman that I am today. So I don't have any kind of resentment or you know, hang ups around it. I wouldn't wish it on other people. I don't, I don't think that it was the best start, but, um, it, it certainly, um, it, it certainly gave me, <laughs> I went so far that way. Most of the time I've been back in the other camp since. So yeah, I think everyone has a time when their wheels come off a bit in some way or another, don't they?
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you went you had that time of being across two different camps as you say when you were in school and then when you left school and went on to the next phase of your life how would you describe your relationship with your your body and your period
1: well i one of the ways that i you know thrust myself out of that naughty period at school was by starting to take acting classes so I had this amazing year head at my school called Mrs Barrett and she invited my mother and I to go and have a conversation with her and she highlighted the fact that you know I was wearing makeup at school you know I I was I I was I was renegade and she she was you know she, she actually said you know Mika's very very bright and she's not using that. And they asked me what it was that I wanted to do. And I said that I wanted to, there was no drama at my school. So, um, they, they got me some, some acting classes and I started to compete. Um, and that really saved me intellectually and emotionally and really changed my life. Um, I would suggest that the pressure on me from that stage on in terms of my body possibly did not heal itself. So many of the other areas healed, but I went from being kind of objectified for my body to wanting my body to be what I saw in the movies, oh. you know, that, that gap. So um, there was definitely some periods of severe under eating. I wouldn't suggest that I was anorexic, but I controlled my food for a very long time, um, particularly around my drama school years and at university and leading into going to drama school you know there's a huge pressure on the, in, in the industry to to be thin in, in 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 the film industry um sometimes i think you know it's kept me healthy uh i love food but i do think that, that there's many benefits of needing to be fit and healthy and strong for my work um and there was a moment when my periods almost stopped i think that that was probably the worst moment when when um in terms of my, my eating habits. And from that point onwards, I started to eat properly. Um, you know, and then, and then of course, just after drama school, my mum got sick with ovarian cancer. So, um, I, you know, I had an extremely stressful late twenties. I think I was in a lot of pain and quite, quite, um, heightened anxiety. And how did you deal with that? Therapy. Um, yeah, therapy mostly. It was a it was a huge shock. I just left drama school and got my first kind of big job, and and I was up and running really, and 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 it and all of my dreams were coming true. And mum thought she had fibroids, or the doctors were telling her she had fibroids. Um, so we we went. Um, we went on holiday together, we came back and she was diagnosed with ovarian cancer and she did get put onto a trial that was a new type of medication, chemotherapy that they thought was going to work. And it, it was, it did work, but the cancer came back quite rapidly. So she actually passed away nine months after her diagnosis. Yeah, so, and I was 25 going into 26. Um, so, you know, I was super young and um and i think that had an impact on me and, and and my body i think i i really lost my faith over that period i really lost my faith in life i had this kind of like feeling that life was quite a dark thing you know and that that yeah i lost my faith i think for a while
0: can you talk a little bit about how you found your way back or if not back to where you were before back towards something different maybe a place of healing
1: yeah I think it's taken a really long time um I think I feel I feel I feel it's taken me most of the time since you know it's it's taken a, a good 15 years to actually really heal it I had a lot of therapy and that helped me come back to a more um, spiritual way of managing life. And I had a lot of treatment. So I had a lot of craniosacral therapy, which I believe really gets rid of trauma in the body. And I probably the final healing was starting the Lady Garden Foundation. I have a feeling that um, we don't fully heal things until we take an action that right-sizes it. So, like, you know, it, I sort of like, when when you fall in love and you break up with someone, you can have completely let go of that person, but I don't believe you completely let go of them until you meet the next person. And it's a bit the same with this, that while I'd done everything I could to heal and let the grief come and then let the grief go. There was an action around the, the miracle that happened with starting Lady Garden. It really was a miracle that my next door neighbour in the apartment block I live in ended up being the head of oncology for um, research into gynaecological cancers at the Royal Marsden was, you know, I mean that's just a real a miracle. Then she asked me if I wanted to do a project with her to raise money and and for me I really wanted to do the awareness raising. And I and I think that was the final final you know the final integration um I don't know if I'll ever get over it I was Hmm. so young I didn't get to you know I just I've talked about this a lot I I feel that because I'd only just left drama school I was still a bit of a child I think other people at that age are very grown up they've started working since 18 and actually you know but I somehow or other was still dependent on on them and I suspect there was also a level of codependency with my mum because of my early year experiences. I think she was very firmly in my camp. She championed me in a way that was, you know, kind of beyond beyond anything I've ever experienced since. She really she was she was my biggest cheerleader, you know, and and so the loss of that at that age was significant for me and there was a period of time when I was flailing trying to find where I sat in life until I think the real kind of deepest realization was that it was me that I needed to find Mm. I needed to find me and love myself like my mother had loved me and that no one else would probably ever love me like that again and that it may not have been that healthy that she did I don't know I mean I I wish I just was thinking I was thinking about something the other day and just thinking god it'd be so nice just to ask mum about that But, um, I can't, I mean, I can in my prayers,
0: but yeah. I I love what you said about your mom being your biggest champion. And I love, I have a six-year-old son and I love really, I read someone wrote, your child should feel like you're their biggest champion, that you're always going to be on their side. And that has always stuck with me. Mm -hmm. Um, and I love that, you know, you said that about your mum because that feeling of always feeling knowing that someone will be in your corner is so powerful in life because often you you feel like, wow, you know, who is actually in my corner? So to have had that experience is so powerful.
1: Life's hard.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> oh, I mean sometimes I'm like, gosh, what is this thing
0: called life? <laughs> <laughs> Can you talk a bit about the Lady Garden Foundation?
1: Yeah, so we're a tiny charity, actually, uh, with a really, really loud voice. When Dr Banerjee, who is my next door neighbour, asked me whether or not I would do some fundraising to help her uh, explore research into the cancers that I lost my mum to, I said yes. But I said there was an absolute uh, prerequisite that I was allowed to do an awareness campaign alongside it, which is where the Lady Garden campaign came from. And um, Dr. Banerjee has developed a drug called Olipar, which has now been greenlit and has been rolled out by a pharmaceutical company. And it treats women with ovarian cancer with great results. So that side of it has been really phenomenal. And we fundraise for that via quite high level events. Um, I've got an amazing co-founding committee who... um, that they they love doing kind of fundraisers so they're and they're amazing at it I don't think I'm so good at, at that part of it what I'm really good at is using my voice to raise awareness and the awareness side of it is just absolutely fundamental so when we started the project in 2014 part of the reason we called it Lady Garden was because we couldn't really call it Vagina but obviously now you know that it's a different landscape and the awareness that I believe the awareness that we started back then has been part of the impact uh, for women all over the world in terms of starting to reclaim our bodies. We started talk. we, we may have given it a nickname, but we absolutely were talking about the fundamentals around gynecological health and, you know, and then the Me Too movement happened, which then started a huge revolution in women's, in women's bodies and women's well-being. And I think at the moment, one of the things that I'm really interested in exploring and why I started my podcast and the project, The Happy Vagina, is that somehow or other still we are only talking about gynecological issues or pregnancy in terms of women's health. Mm. So there's now a movement towards talking about desire and actually how we integrate talking about um, gynecological health in all areas of our life. Because at the moment, you kind of get these highlights. You get your period starts, you're pregnant, you're menopause. And hopefully not, but you may within that have some illness, gynecological illness. Most of us have something at some stage, whether it just be from candida through to something more more serious like my mother had. And those are when we talk about it. You know, mm. it's like what a gyny problem. And we don't kind of somehow really talk about that area of our body all the time like it's, you know, like, like we would do about our our mental health. And there is a movement happening towards integrating it into a more daily kind of chat. Um, I've just been part of a book that's talking about young women and periods and teaching them, which is we are the hood. And, you know, so that is, that's going to be a game changer, you know, but again, the focus is kind of on when you get your period. And I'm just really excited to get women talking more about desire and how to look after ourselves sexually how to look after ourselves in terms of consent how to look after ourselves in terms of you know allowing that area of our body to be part of our whole being
0: what do you think uh women need to do if they don't feel comfortable with these conversations what do you think they need to do to get comfortable
1: it's so funny isn't it because i was talking to a really good girlfriend of mine who works in marketing for a huge women's brand yesterday. And she said, I still find it hard to say the word vagina. And, um, it's that it's that it's just start saying it, start saying it, start talking about it. One of the things that I think as human beings we do is that we cower together. So identification within friendships is really really powerful so if you go to the gym with a female friend and they are hiding their body or go into the changing room you will probably feel the same shame we we pick up each other's shame really easily Mm. just to be super clear if you want to change in private that's totally cool but what you need to look at is where it's coming from. If it's coming from because you're ashamed of your body, at least acknowledge that and own it. And I think that the identification that we can bring in, so you, you we, we mirror our friends, and just to say to a girlfriend, I've got candida, I've got thrush, I'm struggling with cystitis. My periods are a bit weird at the moment. God, my period came three days early, you know? I had loads of sex, you know, like just to kind of start integrating a very light vocabulary and dialogue with your female friends or with your children, if it's appropriate, or with your partner, just, just drop it in, just tiny, small things. You don't have to come out with a big, you know, doesn't have to be a monumental seismic moment. Now talk about periods of vaginas. (laughs) Start sharing in a tiny little way. Probably going to feel really uncomfortable if it's something you haven't done before. Probably going to feel really, you know, embarrassing, Um, because we've been brainwashed to believe that that area of our body is embarrassing, and it's just not. You know, there is a underlying message in so many cultures. That good girls don't have sex. You know, that good girls don't talk about this stuff. And that we are only lovable if we are a good girl. You know, and, and, and being a good girl will stop you from being good to yourself. And also, long term, if you don't really get to know your body and you don't share with your partner or your friends, or whatever is appropriate for you, you may find that you ignore symptoms as something
0: that could be quite serious. So So. start to have the conversation. It doesn't have to be small. Start with what feels comfortable for you and then do it often. Do it in a way that you can then build up to then having the bigger conversations that are appropriate for you and your body.
1: Yeah, Read books. books. There's an amazing book that I still... Swear by, which is Naomi Wolf, the beauty myth, which is not just about gynecological health, but it's a game changer in terms of understanding why we are so sort of um, hard on ourselves, judgmental of our own bodies, it, it, and how that actually has come through uh, biblical text the media, film, and 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 significantly advertising. The advertising is geared towards making us feel less than and insignificant, so that then we buy the products that will make us better. You know, so mm-hmm. it's a really great book. So yeah, and 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 and. Listen to women talk about these things. There's so much out there now, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. Find your vocabulary through listening to other people talk about it.
0: Find your bo- vocabulary. I really like that. You talked about desire, and this is tied into the conversation about finding your vocabulary, moving away from this good girl image or a good girl kind of uh, idea that's drummed into us from when we're very young. What what role do you think owning your desire plays into that?
1: Well, young women aren't, there's absolutely no education at all around desire in young women at the moment, whereas I think it's quite normal for parents of young men to understand that young men start masturbating and that it's almost like this kind of God-given thing that they can't help, you know, this sexual energy and power that comes through that means they have to do it. Uh, I, I'm not suggesting that young men don't go through shame around it. I don't, I, it's not like they've got it so easy, but I do believe that there's more vocabulary around young men's sexual power coming through and that there is absolutely zero, zero teaching around young women's desire. And I think, again, just to be super kind of clear on it it's up to you I don't think you need to start suddenly talking about self-pleasure masturbation or the the moment the millennials are all talking about wanking you know for me that's not my taste but I respect them but it's about getting the relationship with yourself Mm. with yourself so that you so that you you, you, whatever that is and it it may be that there's only one person in your life that you talk to about it and that might be your partner but dear god please talk about it and i really believe that if you don't you you cut yourself off from that area of your body and i think dis-ease in the body comes through the nervous system so if your nervous system is not fully integrated if you if you feel shame around that area of your body the likelihood is 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 that your mind-body connection is probably very disassociated so i i really believe that if we don't integrate the shame that we have around an area of our body, then we kind of get blocked off from that area of our body. And not only does that mean we probably won't look out for symptoms if we have illness come up, also might mean that we can't feel in that area of our body as well. may affect our ability to have an orgasm. Also, there is the potential that not being connected to that area of our body may block energy in that area of our body, which there is a suggestion could lead to ill health. You know, Mm. there is scientific evidence that's starting to show that blockages within an area of our body and a blockage can come from not listening to that area of the body, or it could be to do with faking orgasms for your whole life. And Mm. the reason that you may need to fake an orgasm is because without even knowing it, you have shame around that area of your body. You may not, you may not even know that you've got shame. You may not know that that's why, but if you, you know, if you if you if you don't know that area of your body, if you don't know your own desires, if you're not really fully integrated with yourself as a woman, you're not free, and then your body can't be free.
0: Mm. I think it's also because when we're younger, we don't. You mentioned the conversation around boys and masturbation, girls and masturbation. It. I remember growing up having conversations with girlfriends, and they would say, "Well, I don't masturbate," and I would say, "Well," well why and they say I well I don't need to but when you masturbate you learn about what you know what an orgasm actually feels like you know how to get to an orgasm and you can bring that conversation into your relationship or any sexual encounters you have and that's a that element that's a way of empowering yourself to get the best out of that situation so I, I think it's really important for, you know, women all of all ages can get there. You know, it doesn't, you don't have to be young, but it's, again, it's just going back to what you said earlier about being comfortable and starting with those little small conversations and growing there and finding a way to feel empowered about in your desire and owning your desire.
1: So many women I know uh, find it, difficult to get to climax to orgasm and I I believe that is because we don't spend our teenage years (laughs) practicing whereas somehow there is a again really just to be clear I think men feel a lot of shame around it at that age too but they still get on and do it because within the media Within films, it may be teased a bit, but it's still considered normal. And with women, everyone lies about it, no one admits to doing it. I, I think I used to say I didn't do it. Someone asked me at university, are you doing that? I know like, no. You know, it's just not not we're not free within it. There are also women who can't reach climax, and I think it's really important to I don't know, because I don't know those women. I don't know whether or not if they did a lot of work on themselves in terms of body release and really integrating whether or not they would be able to reach climax. But I think it's very important that we take some of the pressure off ourselves to reach climax and understand that sexual pleasure is not just about an orgasm. And if as a woman, you haven't managed to reach that point, that's okay. You just need to enjoy the experience still and not write it off and not overgive to your partner, not deny yourself pleasure in whatever way that pleasure comes in order to make sure your partner's needs get met and yours don't so don't always seek the orgasm (laughs) You you know it's not it's not the essential thing but open connection is.
0: Can you talk about what's coming up next for the Lady Garden Foundation for the Happy Vagina?
1: So Lady Garden Foundation really excitingly Uh, With my co-founders, we have greenlit a piece of research again by Dr Banerjee into how the COVID-19 pandemic has affected key workers within cancer research. So um, looking into mental health and resilience. And I feel that that's a really appropriate use of our money at the moment, alongside also continuing to donate to cancer uh, research into into medication and continuing to raise awareness around these cancers so that women will go and get checked more often. And then we've got, hopefully we had to change our run date. We have a run, an annual run that I started. It'll be our fifth, I think this year. And um, and it was meant to be in April and we've moved it. So it's gonna be in October, fingers crossed. We'll see what the government says. And yeah, lots of just other bits and pieces, fun fun things going on with Lady Garden. And then I'm just starting to record the second season of The Happy Vagina. And I've got an amazing guest list, and I'm really branching out into some other areas. So, one of the most fundamental differences is that I'm going to have men on. So all of season one, I just kept getting all of my male friends that work in the, particularly the ones that work in the entertainment industry, going, What are you doing? Why are you like ostracizing us and being divisive? And I was like, Oh no, this is a really divisive project. I get it. Because obviously, with Lady Garden, it's about gynecological cancers one of the reasons I started the happy vagina was because I wanted to reach out more into women's health and then the men were all like you're being divisive and I was like you know what you're right I am so I've got some men coming on who will be talking specifically about experiences that are relatable to women so the, the main focus and uh, story around the happy vagina is still around women so I've got George Robinson who is one of the stars of sex education He's just joined in season two and he's going to be Maeve's love interest in season three, I think, although he won't really tell me. And he's going to talk about, he's talking about um, how his relationship to women has changed since doing sex education. And also he had an, an, an accident where he broke his neck a few years ago. So he's in a wheelchair. And so we talk about his relationship to women, which is just fantastic. And then I've got Charlie Condu coming on, who is a, gay three-way parenter so he and his male partner had a child with one of their friends and they three-way parent and I'm really excited to hear about that and then I have Kenny Jones coming on so I'm really and then I've got some amazing women as well uh, Emily Pine and Kate Devlin and yeah so it's 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 kind of I'm just starting to record it and I hope it will be out in July and I just feel really it's just an amazing project. The response to it is amazing. People absolutely love what I'm doing with it, and i feel I feel really liberated by it. I feel really liberated by it and excited for the future of it. We're going to make some pants as well. Oh, I know <laughs> <laughs> you some of the knees. <laughs>
0: So, thinking back on your journey from where you started when you first got your period, the party that your mom threw for you, to where you are now, if you could go back to speak to your 13 year old self, what would you say to her?
1: I think I'd say it's going to be okay. You know, just quite simple, soothing. It's going to be okay. Because it always is in the end, Lynice, I think mm-hmm. so many of us go through such trauma. And pain in life. Life can be incredibly painful and human beings can be very mean. Very, very mean. I don't know why, but they can. And I and I think just the very simple everything's gonna be okay. Which Mm. was one of the meditations that I used to soothe myself after my mother died. I'd wake up in the night uh, unable to get back to sleep in sheer shock and severe anxiety. It's just everything's gonna be okay
0: everything's gonna be okay everything's gonna be okay i can feel that mantra going through me now everything's going to be okay if listeners want to find out more about you the lady garden the happy vagina where can they find out more
1: it's pretty straightforward i'm mika simmons And my handles on social media are at Miss Mika Simmons, which I'm trying to change at the moment. I don't think I should be a miss anymore. (laughs) Um, So the happy vagina is at the happy vagina. So never forget the, the, it's the most important part the happy vagina. And then Lady Garden Foundation is Lady Garden Foundation, which, and that's our handle on social media. And also if you want to look us up on the website and the website is really great. It's got loads of really interesting information. Blogs from people who've experienced these cancers, uh, symptom checkers, you know, really informative website. And the Happy Vagina
0: just got lots of fun stuff. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, thank you so much for coming onto the show today, Mika.
1: I've had such a nice time. Nice. Thank you. You're an amazing interviewer. I told oh. you so many things. <laughs> <laughs> thank you.
0: For more inspiring conversations, head over to periodstorypod.com where we have so many more for you to peruse. If you want help with your menstrual or hormone health, email me on hello at eatlovemove.com to set up a free 30-minute hormone health review. If you like today's show, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Tag us, come say hi, and send in your requests for who you'd like to see on the show on Instagram and Twitter on at periodstorypod or email us at hello at periodstorypod.com. I'm Linise Brothers, and you've been listening to Period Story. Thank you so much for listening.